the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Mission America and may contain views and opinions that do not reflect the views of the advertisers, staff, and owners of this station. Some material may not be suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Yep, and to think, I used to be a liberal too. These children are influenced to believe that they may be the wrong gender. People are finally getting it because the mass media has not been reporting on this accurately. It's only through conservative-leaning and Christian outlets that are actually telling the truth about the body. The books today that you're talking about, they're just much more militant, and they're targeting even younger children. Because I know that lots of people have had it up to here. They have had it up to here with this agenda, with the targeting of their children. Our past silence as the church in America has reaped these horrific consequences that we're living through now. Yep, and to think, I used to be a liberal too. This is Mission America with Linda Harvey. Because with God, all things, all things, all things are still, still possible. Good afternoon, friends, and welcome to Mission America Radio. I'm Linda Harvey, and I'm so very glad you've joined us this afternoon. Please visit our website at missionamerica.com. That's missionamerica.com for more information about our organization and to read news articles and Christian commentary on the culture. And don't forget to listen to our four-minute daily commentaries right here Monday through Friday on the Word Columbus at 1020 a.m. And also be sure to check out all our resources about the culture's influence on your kids, our faith, and our freedom. And you can learn more right on our website at missionamerica.com. How can Christians navigate through the cancel culture we are suddenly being faced, being confronted with, and at the same time preserve precious relationships and be faithful to the gospel. Well, my guest today has written a terrific book about this. Joe Dallas is an author, speaker, and a counselor who has a nationwide audience. He's the founder of Genesis Biblical Solutions in Tustin, California, and he's written six books on human sexuality, and you can check out some of his bestsellers, including the current one, on his website at joedallas.com. And the book we're talking about today is Christians in a Cancel Culture, Speaking with Truth and Grace in a Hostile World. Welcome, Joe, to Mission America Radio. Hey, thank you for having me. It's good talking with you again, Linda. It's great to talk to you. It's been a number of years. We were on a program together. I think it's been um, 15 or so years ago. And uh, Mm -hmm. I have been very impressed, however, in following you over the years, how you have remained steadfast when there have probably been many times when you were under a lot of pressure and tempted to back off having any kind of a public ministry. So before we talk about your book, I'd like 
our listeners to get a little bit more about your background, if you could share that with us. Sure, Linda. I'm one of thousands and thousands of people who had two realizations. Uh, The first one came when I was very young. I realized I was attracted to the same sex. In those days, the early 60s, it wasn't called gay. Uh, It was called a lot of things I don't think I want to say on air, but basically I realized I was homosexual. And uh, then later in life, when I heard the gospel and responded to the gospel, I had a second realization, which was, this is not what God intended. And after that second realization, I became one of those people Paul talked about when he wrote to Corinth and said that there are some behaviors that exclude people from the kingdom of God. Uh, One of them, he said, was homosexuality. And he said, and such were, past tense, some of you. So at 16, I became a Christian. Unfortunately, I never admitted to anyone that I had those particular desires. Uh, That was 1971. Nobody was talking about it in church back then. In fact, I got to tell you, Linda, talking about it on Christian radio in those days was unheard of. I mean, people didn't have the kind of conversations you and I are having right now. Right. I I thought that I was the only person in the church who dealt with this. And I want to emphasize that because there are many people to this day who are a part of the body of Christ. They're not marching down the street waving a banner. They're not militant. They are believers, but they have a private temptation towards homosexuality. Most believers, of course, do not, but there are some who do. And uh, I, I feel strongly that they need to be able to say, this is a temptation in my life I want to deal with so that I don't give in to it. I don't want to default to it. I want to live a godly life. Please help me. And Linda, we do, within the body of Christ, need to be there for them. I made a decision after a few years of my silent struggle that I was just not going to struggle anymore. I was going to give in. I even tried to uh, blend Christianity and homosexuality by joining a pro-gay church back in 1978. And I was on staff with them for about five years, really actively promoting the idea that the Bible did not condemn homosexuality. So that made me both a religious gay and a gay activist until early 1984. The teaching that I had heard for years when I first became a Christian really caught up with me, and I realized I cannot keep rewriting the Bible to accommodate my feelings. I need to yield my feelings to the authority of the Bible and to the authority of God, which is when I repented. I did not realize at that time that God had in the future for me a wife who I married three years later, and she is uh, my wife of 34 years now and and the mother of my two sons and my partner in ministry, by the way. And God has graciously allowed me to walk alongside other men, uh, hundreds of them, who have been in the same position that I've been in. So I'm very grateful on the one hand for the work and the grace of God in my life. I will always regret my decision to try to embrace something God never intended. But my hope in 2021 especially is that we do not back down from being clear about what God has declared his intention for the human sexual experience and for marriage to be, but that we also do not back down from graciously receiving people who say what Saul of Tarsus said when he had his own crisis of truth, Lord, what would you have me to do? Because there will always be 
lesbian and gay people who will come to the church and say, I realize this is wrong. What do I do now? Just as there mm-hmm. will be those who will want to attack the church, God give us wisdom to see the difference between the two. Absolutely. That is the, to me, and you know, I've been uh, focusing on this issue a lot. It's not the only thing I we do at Mission America, but it is a lot for, for 20 some years. And that is the number one issue, um, standing strong in truth and still keeping that open door to those who are still willing to hear the truth while standing in the culture against the damage that is being done by this movement. So it is mm-hmm. a constant struggle. And um, we all have, but I think we all have to be engaged in that. Your book is fantastic at equipping people on that issue, on the gender confusion issue, how to use those and to address people's uh, concerns about that, about abortion, about the racial um, politics. And so, uh, you know, I, I was very intrigued by your book, and there's so many things we could talk about, but let's talk about that, those particular chapters you have in in your book. You've got one um, called The Cross and the Rainbow, I believe that's the name of the chapter. And, and right. then you, and it, it was just, just fantastic. It's basically talking points that addresses the current cancel culture uh, and our these discussions we're having with relatives, with friends, that um, things that are happening on social media. So give us just a little quick synopsis of that um, that particular chapter, I guess. Well, as you said, this is one issue that the church is feeling a lot of pressure to simultaneously address and avoid. We're feeling pressure to avoid it if our position is that it is a sin. We're feeling pressure to act on it if we are not sure whether or not it's a sin, so we're thinking of affirming it. Um, but what, what we're seeing today, I think, uh, Linda, is a reluctance to be clear on this because we're believing our own bad press. So in that, and when I say that, when the culture says we are homophobic, we are starting to wring our hands and say, oh, dear, maybe that's true. Well, then maybe I better say nothing or at least say something so neutral that no one can be offended. What I tried to explain in that chapter is that it is entirely possible to be clear without being condemning. Clarity is charity. Now, we must be clear about sexuality in general. We cannot be preaching that homosexuality is a terrible sin and then turn around and wink at pornography or adultery or other sexual sins. Mm -hmm. So consistency is necessary along with clarity. That was something I tried to stress in that chapter, as well as uh, trying to equip people to be able to discuss the issue with a friend or a loved one. As you said, each chapter has sample dialogues in there, so the reader can be like a fly on the wall listening to a conversation about this and picking up some talking points that she or he can use. You wrote that people who are most dear to us are becoming strangers to us and that's because of this great divide in our culture and i am so i i was astounded at how quickly you put together such an incredibly great book when the idea of a cancel culture has of course it's been coming for many years and perhaps that's what you were thinking but it only emerged late in 2020 um so explain more about what you mean about the um many of us being able to identify with that situation of this great divide that we're seeing. Yeah. You know, it's like the culture shifted 
And then the culture turned to the church and said, okay, you guys got to shift too. But the culture shifted at a breathtaking speed. Like you said, Linda, a lot of us have been seeing the cultural decline for years. So most of what is happening in 2021 has not really surprised us. It's appalling. We grieve over it, but we saw it coming. I didn't think it would be quite so fast. 2020 was like lightning. It's like we all went nationally insane. And uh, so we had rioting. We had cities taken over. We had people behaving monstrously. We had politicians saying, go for it. That's good. The only people who are bad are the people who object. And uh, I think in the midst of all of that, we, we started to see that it was dangerous to speak from a biblical perspective on abortion, racism, transgender, homosexuality, or progressive Christianity. I wrote the book, Linda, because I realized in 2020, wow, these are five critical issues that we cannot water down, and yet they are the very five issues the culture is telling us we must water down. So I think a lot of believers feel like their backs are against the wall. And that's when their daughter comes home from university and says, Mom, Dad, have you repented of being racist yet? Or a son comes home and says, I identify as a woman. You have to identify me as a woman or else there's no relationship. That's why I wrote the book. Yes, uh, there have been so many stories of people who have just standing for what they've always stood for in biblical truth. Suddenly they have, especially younger uh, people in their families who are turning on them in a vicious and horrible way. So, you know, there's a lot of spiritual, um, the, the enemy is working spiritually in our country to deceive and divide. And, uh, you know, we can't really avoid this by avoiding these conflicting viewpoints, can we? You know how, and that's the point of your book is how we can try to navigate through this without, in any way, not being offensive. So, you know, what do right. we what do we do in these relationships? We got to reframe our thinking, Linda. We have to accept the fact that some people will not be reasonable. Some people have decided if you do not convert your view from the traditional biblical view to the new quote unquote enlightened view then I need to shun you. It's sort of a reverse Puritanism. It's like, if you will not get with the program, you must be avoided. But there will always be the remnant. So what I wrote the book to do was equip people to be ready to deal with the overt rejection if it comes, but to try first to reason with people, because people can still be reasoned with on this issue. It's like, okay, the Pharisees hated Jesus as a group collectively, but there wasn't Nicodemus in the group, you see? And that's the way it is now. We look at groups like Black Lives Matter and Antifa and the woke and the social justice mob and all that, and we think, oh, forget it, all of them, anathema. But it's not true. There will always be people who can be reasoned with. And so the idea is to ask reasonable questions, such as, is it fair for you to say, I am a hater because I hold the viewpoint I have always held? Can you show me the evidence that I am homophobic or bigoted? Or are you just throwing those labels at me unfairly? And can't we respect each other enough to agree that a relationship can transcend differences? Those are questions we can ask, and I think that those are questions that can begin a good dialogue. They can. We are talking with Joe Dallas, and you can find more about these the book we're talking about today at joedallas.com. 
Uh, the book is Christians in a Cancel Culture, Speaking with Truth and Grace in a Hostile World. We will explore more uh, about what's in this great book when we return here on Mission America. This is Linda Harvey. Please stay with us. We will be right back following these messages. Don't go away. Today's program is pre-recorded. To learn more, log on to missionamerica.com. Now, here's Linda. How can we as Christians navigate through a cancel culture? That is the title of a book. It's Christians in a Cancel Culture, a fantastic new book by Joe Dallas. And uh, if any of you have been keeping up with the issue of homosexuality and uh, the change that is possible from homosexuality over the years, you will recognize Joe's name. He has been a stalwart uh, in that movement. His voice has not changed in 30 years. It's been amazing to see. He's an author, a speaker. He's a counselor who has a national audience, and he uh, can be found at joedallas.com as well as more information about this great book. So let's continue our dialogue from the previous uh, segment, Joe. You know, one of the things I just saw in the whole uh, our, the media coverage of the Afghanistan issue is a caricature of Christians as, you know, and incredible people jumped on this, that, you know, they have their Taliban, we have our Taliban, and of course it was Christians, but Trump supporters all in, mixed in there. You know, there are people that have been saying that for a long time. Uh, what do you, how, how do we respond to that kind of an attitude if somebody comes up to us with that in mind? I try to respectfully ask, where is the evidence of your accusation? Because I, I think that too often we get into just denying something without asking how somebody came to the conclusion which led them to the accusation. I mean, the burden of proof is on the accuser, not the accused. So when somebody says, oh, you Christians are just like the Taliban, respectfully, I will ask, okay, please help me understand how you concluded that. Who do we force? Who do we imprison? Who do we put to death because they disagree with us? Uh, who, who do we rape and torture, for that matter? How do we coerce people into conversions? How do we, what violence can you prove on our part? And, and inevitably, people will say, well, I can't verify that you do those things in actuality, but your words or your beliefs carry the same force as the Taliban, to which I always say, do you realize how many thousands of people would give anything if the only force the Taliban had over them was words and ideas? Oh, very so good. That's yes. how I try to, re- yeah, try to reason with people about the difference between somebody holding a belief you disagree with and somebody violently forcing you to conform to that belief. Yeah. Nobody can with any integrity say that Christians do that. Trump supporters or non-Trump supporters. Yes, right, right. Um, So one of your chapters is called Eternal Lives Matter. 
and you have a lot to say about critical race theory. So we've talked a lot about this on our program, about the application of critical race theory that actually is being taught in Ohio schools and many other schools and how it is, uh, it's a new element, it's a new era of actual racism. So explain how this just really does not line up with the gospel, how you went through some of that in your chapter. Yeah, this is a socialist dream. It's a Marxist dream, really. Get the masses to feel so guilty about horrendous crimes committed by some against some a few hundred years ago, and then cause them to run to the other extreme in the interest of not being guilty of the crime we say they are guilty of. And the public seems to be falling for that. We all know that racism is evil. Linda, we all know that slavery was evil. We all regret the fact that slavery ever existed. But number one, of course, only some people in the United States of America owned slaves or were involved in the slave trade. Many people in the United States, including many Christians, objected and risked their very lives uh, as abolitionists to uh, overturn slavery. And uh, all of us realized that segregation was wrong and evil. But I think because we so want to distance ourselves from those extreme crimes of decades ago, we are now adopting a belief system that we have not examined. It is not logical to assume that race alone causes someone to be guilty of racism. It is not logical to assume that because somewhere in some smoky avenue called systemic, there is this evil that lurks that we are all somehow guilty of. So in response to the claims of critical race theory, I would say from a biblical perspective, all of us have sinned, and all of us will individually give an account to God for our sins, but for our sins, not for the sins of others. One of the greatest errors of the critical race theory is that it suggests that salvation can be found if sociologically the majority repents of crimes they may or may not be guilty of, but they will basically um, uh, bend the knee to avoid a conflict. But enough will never be enough. I found this to be true with any extremes, whether it's gay militancy or Black Lives Matter or Antifa. There is no such thing as enough. There may be racial equality, but those who are insistent on retaining a victimized identity will never be satisfied with that. They will still find racism where it does not exist. Now, where it does exist, let's get serious about it. If somebody is abusing someone else based on their racial status, man, they deserve retaliation. They deserve punishment. And, and that's what the law is there for, and we should abhor that. But we cannot be so blind as to assume that people are guilty of any particular sin by virtue of their gender or their race or their age. That's not only illogical, it's wildly unfair and clearly unbiblical. Yes, absolutely. You know, we only have uh, less than a couple minutes left. So what do you say about the coming persecution that maybe we may uh, inevitably face as believers? Are we prepared for this? I know even as you said that, some of our listeners are rolling their eyes and saying, oh, come on, Linda and Joe, look at what's happening in Afghanistan. That's persecution. And I agree, that's persecution of a different degree. But, you know, Linda, spousal abuse happens if one spouse slaps the other spouse across the face. That's spousal abuse. Spousal abuse also happens if one spouse shoots the other with a gun. 
they're both abuse, different types, but they're both abuse. Whenever either the government or the culture is targeting you for your religious beliefs and stifling and stripping away basic rights you are guaranteed in the First Amendment, then that is persecution. We don't have to be shot or imprisoned in order to be facing that, although that could be on the horizon. What we will need to do is close ranks. As the body of Christ, we're going to need each other more than ever. We're going to need to be willing to stand and die on the hills that are worth standing and dying on. The definition of family is one of them. The definition of justice is one of them. The definition of the unborn. And recognize that the consequences may come. It is better to go down honorably than to stay standing dishonorably. Oh, Joe, thank you so much. JoeDallas.com. The book is Christians in a Cancel Culture, Speaking with Truth and Grace in a Hostile World. Thank you so much, Joe. And friends, do not give up. Just remember that with God, all things, all things are still possible. Have a great day. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.